Lord, that's our prayer this morning, that that you'll have our way, have your way in us here. We ask you that you come into this sanctuary this morning and fill our hearts with thanksgiving, fill our hearts with praise, because as we sang about this morning, you are good. You are good even when there's nothing good in us. We thank you for that this morning. We pray that you'll bless the message today. Pray that uh, you will fill me with your words, not, not my words, but your words, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, worship team. Uh, Jamie and I did not coordinate on those songs, but I couldn't have picked better songs uh, myself. So it's funny how, how God does that, huh? Uh, well, good morning again. My name is Peter. I, um, my wife and I attend Cross Point Church here. Uh, I'm not a pastor here, um, but uh, I guess I'm a, a product of uh, just wanting to be available to God. And so um, last year... I was given the opportunity to speak here uh, to you all, and uh, then again in December, and and now in July. So I thank you for the opportunity again uh, to the leadership team. It it does mean a lot. Uh, A couple uh, things here. If you look at your your program or your bulletin, if you're taking notes, uh, the name of this message is uh, Adorned. It's part of the sub-series Adorned, right? But the word is actually doxology. Right, So at the heading there you see adorned, but it says something else. But if you want to cross that out and put doxology, that's the part of Romans that we'll be covering this morning. Also, uh, those specific verses are Romans 16, 25 through 27. Um, I'm sorry I don't have any cool graphics this morning. I guess... uh, um, I left my thumb drive with the PowerPoint at home. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, we're trying to get the baby ready and everything and out the door, rushing out the door, and I just forgot it. So uh, I apologize for that. I don't know how you, John, and, and Dave, who have kids, uh, <laughs> how you study. This is this last couple of weeks are really something. Uh, I Now I know the reason for the office. That must be a little sanctuary, a little getaway, because that is really something. So kudos to you guys for being able to prepare messages, um, especially you, Dave, week in and week out with a, with a house full of kids. So uh, I guess um, I'm going to blame me le- leaving the, the PowerPoint at home on my daughter. All right, so we're in Romans 16 this morning. Romans 16, if you have your Bible, uh, turn to Romans 16 because we're going to be uh, referencing that. So Romans chapter 16, this is the last, the last chapter in the book of Romans, and the last message in our series on Romans. So if you turn to Romans 16, uh, we're going to read in verse 25, Romans 16, 25. Now, this part of Romans is the end. It's the doxology, okay? Uh, there's also another doxology at the end of, of Romans 11, but uh, this is the final doxology that Paul gives, and uh, we'll begin reading in Romans 16.25. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. And that ends the book of Romans. <clears throat> you know, when I was a, uh, a sophomore in college, um, I did probably what a lot of people my age, I was 19 or so, I, I wanted to kind of spread my wings and uh, I wanted to do a little bit of traveling that summer. So that, that summer of my sophomore year, I think it was 2006, uh, a group of friends and I got together in, in California and uh, what we were going to do is we were going to uh, we're going to climb a couple mountains in the Sierra Nevadas, and so I had one one place I really wanted to climb. It was called Lassen Peak. Have you heard of Lassen Peak, Mountain Lassen in, in in Northern California? And and the reason I, I wanted to climb Lassen Peak is because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with um, uh, reading encyclopedias. Okay, and uh, this was, we didn't have the internet in my house in the country, even if we would have had it, it would have been so slow or, you know, way out in the country. But so we read, I had a world, a volume of world book encyclopedias. And so that's what I read. And so I was fascinated with, uh, with reading about volcanoes and things. And so Mount Lassen uh, is one of two volcanoes in the continental United States that has erupted in the last 100 years. And so it last erupted in 1917. The other one is, of course, Mount St. Helens. And so uh, I wanted to climb Lassen Peak, and so that's what we did. And uh, it was I was fascinated. I was reading up on it, leading out to the trip. And, you know, it was so awesome to be able to climb up there and see it. And um, in preparing for this message, I was just thinking about uh, that trip and about Volcanoes, and I was reading about you know how this volcano in in uh, Hawaii is has been erupting erupting like molten lava now for for years and years and years, and it's just fascinating to me. And in a, in some way, I think that those volcanoes are like our Christian life, and about doxology. What do you mean, Peter? Well. I think that in our Christian life, the, the gospel is our, our bedrock, right? In a volcano, we, there's the, the magma chamber, right? The gospel is in there just boiling up and boiling up. And then every once in a while, in the life of a Christian, it explodes into praise, right? Just like a volcano, uh, there's an explosion after build up of pressure. And I think that's what we see here in Romans 16. Uh, Paul has been just giving the gospel and the good news and the good news. And then here in Romans 16, we see an explosion of praise, a uh, doxology. So uh, doxology is a word that's uh, familiar to most Christians. It's not found here, um, but this is what we understand it to be. And uh, I just want to define what a doxology is. Um, I guess, you know, you go to the Greek for these things, right? So I pulled out my Greek dictionary just like you would do. And the word doxa means glory, right? Doxa. And then the second part of it is logos, which means words. So really, uh, the, the experts, not myself, they define doxology as a praise 
saying or saying of praise. And that's exactly, again, that what we see here in Romans 15 now, or 16. Now there's several structure, there's a structure to a doxology. Okay, according to how they're structured throughout Christ, uh, throughout scripture, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New. So the, the basic structure of a doxology is, is threefold. The first is, um, the writer is gonna ascribe, um, it's gonna, he's gonna say who he's given praise to. Right? Who he's given praise to. We see a doxology in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. That's who Timothy is giving the doxology about, to whom he is giving it. Even in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. And we see here in Romans 16, 25, now to him who is able to establish you. So first, we see the person whom praise is ascribed and mentioned. The second part of a doxology is what we call like an ascription of glory, right? So, like in the Psalms, there's a, in Psalms 29, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. In the Lord's Prayer, again, we see, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And then in Romans 16 here, verse 27, Paul ascribes glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory. And so the third part of a doxology is the part where they say forever, right? Forever. Amen. In Galatians, Paul gives another doxology. He says, to whom be the glory forevermore. In Romans 16, we see, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Even in the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And then they ends with an amen. Let it be so. A response. So why is this important? Well, I think it's important that we understand what a doxology is. Um, not only to kind of end this series, but because I, I think that as Christians, our lives should be a, a life full of doxologies, a life full of praise. And so we must understand that a doxology comes in response to God's glorious works on man's behalf. And a doxology is a response, a reaction to salvation, which is, again, God's saving work on behalf of his people. So I guess there could be many big ideas that come from this this message, but I, I really want us to see today that a Christian's life is made more beautiful by praise. And that's, I, I guess, the main theme that we want to get today. So uh, doxologies, they're not associated with, with small things, at least not in the scriptures. But I think... You know, throughout my day, you know, I give little mini doxologies. I, I have to drive through the intersection at Moreland and National every morning on my way to the office. And uh, every time I make it to that intersection without being stopped because the light goes like that, you know, I give a little doxology. You know, I say, after I'm through, I say, you know, praise the Lord. I'm not going to be late. Or, you know, if I'm driving down Highway 100 and I'm going a little bit faster than I'm supposed to and I see a police officer on the side of the road and I drive by him and I look in my rearview mirror and he's not pulling out after me. 
I say a doxology, right? Praise, praise the Lord. I think that, I think my wife, when she goes to Target, especially now with, with the baby, and uh, she gets a parking spot, you know, really close, she'll probably let out a doxology. Praise the Lord. That's not the type of doxology that we're going to be talking in, in Scripture. Um, we're talking about a doxology that is associated with God's saving blessings. The first doxology we see in the New Testament is, probably no surprise, the angels gave a doxology at the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. But following that doxology in Luke, we see them all throughout Scripture. Um, <clears throat> the doxology written here in Romans, I think, is really a response to, and, and think about how long we've been studying Romans, this doxology is a perfect response to God's, saving truth found in this book. They have everything to do, the doxology has everything to do with thanking God for his salvation or some associated benefit of salvation and then on behalf of us unworthy sinners. So, I, I was reading... I was an English minor in college, and so I had to read a lot of English literature. Honestly, most of it bored me. Uh, but I, I remember I had some favorite authors, right? And one of them was George Herbert. He was a, a metaphysical poet. I don't remember what metaphysical means anymore, but that's what it said. Uh, early in the 17th century, George Herbert wrote, Thou hast given so much to me, give one more thing, a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleases me, as if thy blessings had some spare days, but a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. And that's it. That's it for the Christian this morning. That's what I want to get from this passage. A heart that beats, and with every beat, with every breath, we can praise the Lord. Now, the last through the last uh, few sermons, I guess the sub-series in Romans, uh, every, you notice that every, the title of every sermon begins with adorned. Right? Adorned. Adorned. Uh, last year was, uh, last week was adorned, something, something, longer title. Uh, adorned means, um, adorned is associated maybe with a bride preparing herself for her husband. So those of you that are married, I, I've talked to some of you and, and I've heard some of you say, you know, my wife, she looks so beautiful coming down the, the aisle. She adorned herself. And that's really what I think encapsulates what doxology does for the believer that the believer when he's filled with praise and doxology it adorns him it makes him more beautiful and so <clears throat> let's look a little bit uh, closer at this romans passage in light of that so these new testament doxologies as we mentioned are exclusively at least through my study, exclusively associated with salvation, right? Or at least um, when the writer is contemplating the realities of, of salvation, then they burst into praise. And uh, when, when I was a kid, you know, we, we worked with uh, pressure cookers. It's kind of like a, a mini volcano, right? Well, hopefully it's not a volcano, but, you know, we, we would can things and we would can, you know, 
chicken, you know, we would can beans, things from the garden. And so uh, we would can all this. And I remember my mom would always say, you know, don't, do not touch the pressure cooker. Just don't mess with it because if the lid comes off this thing, it's going to be big trouble. And so I, I think that throughout the, the New Testament, I love these build-ups to the doxology because it within there, uh, you see the build-up of the pressure of joy and the pressure of, of thankfulness and the pressure of gratitude, the pressure of being uh, overwhelmed by blessing. And then finally, at the end of a, a big passage like this, it just comes bursting out in a doxology. And I love it. They, they sometimes tend not to be calculated. There's sometimes when, when Paul began writing, and before he got five verses in, he's giving a doxology. And then that's what it is. It's an explosion of praise and joy coming in response to salvation. And so let's, uh, let's look really specifically at a few things that we see here in Romans 16. So if you look at Romans 16, 25, Paul makes a marvelous summary, right? Now to him who is able to establish you. That's the key word here that that I picked out, establish. And here's how. He tells us how, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept for long ages past, but now is manifested, and according to the scriptures of the prophets, and according to the commandment of the eternal God, which has been made known to all the nations, leading to the obedience of faith. That's a lot. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about a lot of things there, isn't he? But the thing he's really, I say, I think the thing he's really trying to make a point about Besides a lot of those modifying phrases, the one thing he's talking about is establishing you. Now, to him who is able to establish you. Paul is directing this doxology, the first part of the doxology, to the one who is able to establish. Well, what does it mean to be established? It means to be mentally settled in truth or to be settled in a course of action, to be settled in a direction. It means to be maybe anchored or fixed, confirmed, immovable, unshakable. Sounds like the opposite of what's going on in the world today, doesn't it? You know, uh, us as Americans especially, we find ourselves um, greedy sometimes, Right? We're unsatisfied. We are drifting as a nation. We run from crisis to crisis. We have, you know, gender identity crises and, and uh, sexual identity crises. And we're looking for the next thing to be offended or outraged about. But we rarely seek to be peacemakers. And we rarely are, seek, are quick to forgive. If I think about... America these days, Christians or or non-Christians, we're a world full of people that are confused. We're hopelessly chaotic. We're a world where a man can walk into a church in South Carolina and, and gun down eight people having a Bible study. We're unstable. We're unsettled. We are insecure. We, we want to brag more about ourselves than about our God. We have no defense against the devil. 
with his temptation. It seems like we have no defense against God in his judgment. We're a world where innocent babies, we saw this last week, can be murdered and then sold in the name of progress. Sometimes we're more worried about our Facebook comments than God's comments in his word. We're purposeless with nothing to cling, nowhere to stand, no place for safety. That's the world. And that's how God said unregenerate people or people far from God are. But, but, but for believers, we through Jesus Christ are established. That's what he's saying here. We are fixed. We stand firm. We're settled. We're confirmed. We're confident. We're unshakable, immovable. We're solid. Why? Why? Now look further. How has this happened? He established you how? According to my gospel and the preaching concerning Jesus Christ Both of those are revelation. Both of those come from God, don't they? Those are the words of God, the the gospel. The preaching concerning Jesus Christ. And he says, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. I think that's Paul's long way of describing the, the New Testament, right? The New Testament is the mystery now revealed, which has been kept secret in ages past, but now has manifested itself. At least that's how I understand that. And then uh, he goes on. You have been established then by the gospel I preach concerning Jesus Christ and the New Testament. And then verse 26 happens. Verse 26. By the scriptures of the prophets. Well, what are the scriptures of the prophets? Well, that's the Old Testament. According to the commandment of the eternal God, God commanded that his word go forth, and it did. And uh, it went through the prophets and became the Old Testament. And now he gives us that extension on to us. He's sending us out, right? It has been made known to all the nations. Keep reading there in 26. It has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. What's obedience of faith? Obedience of faith means salvation. You have been established because you have heard the truth which led to you salvation. That's the point. So what Paul, why is he specifically giving this doxology? Why, what is he specifically giving this doxology for? Saving truth. Saving truth. The truth that he's led, that he's been getting at since Romans 1. You know, Romans 1 through 11, the whole background. And then at Romans 12 through 16, he's giving doxology for the saving truth. And then finally in verse 27, Paul bursts out thanks for the only wise God through Jesus Christ. Be the glory forever. Amen. So Paul is astounded at the wisdom of God that could develop such an incredible salvation and revelation of the truth. That, that's doxology right there. 
You see, I think that doxology is the only response, the only response that we can have to saving truth. You know, truth that settles us and confirms and establishes us in the middle of this shifting, purposeless, wavering, shakable nation, humanity. Paul is is thanking God because he had the grace to understand the truth, grace to believe the truth. And so he had become established. You see, if you think about Paul's life, God's power had worked in his life to make him settle on the truth and stand on the truth and be immovable and confident and secure and to find stability. And again, Paul's reaction, doxology. I just love this passage because when you, when you it, it just it's so relevant to us today, isn't it? And then it gives us such a, a relevant response to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. What a cause for doxology. The next question I, I kind of want to address that I was thinking about while I was studying this passage is, okay, I get what a doxology is, and I get why we should have a doxology, right? We can see why we should give praise to God for all the wonderful things He has done. We've been sitting here studying Romans for, for months and months and months. We all have a reason to give praise. But the question I have is, when should we praise him? When should we give a doxology? Many of you are probably answering in your, your heads right now. Well, that's kind of a, an obvious answer to that question. And uh, I think you'd be right, right? The answer is, well, all the time. You know, in Psalm 34, <clears throat> the psalmist writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. The answer to that question is, we should praise God all the time, right? But you see, we as humans, sometimes our praise is, uh, contingent on circumstances, right? You see, uh, true praise isn't contingent on our perceptions of God's goodness or what He chooses to bless us with or not bless us with. You see, the uh, the Journal Sentinel... Anybody read that worthless thing? Anyway, the Journal Sentinel has this uh, this section where they do this uh, this political meter, this truthful meter. Have you seen that? You know, they're going to rate so-and-so. They're going to take a word he said or she said, probably out of context, but then they're going to rate it on a truth meter. And, and when I think of a, uh, you know, that, I think of a praise meter, right? And I think that the way to get an accurate reading on your praise meter is to check yourself not only in, in the good times or the bad times, but check yourself on all the other days too. You know, the, the average day. And check how many times your mind goes to thoughts of praise to God. 
I was in uh, southern Alabama, down in Phil Bowen country. See him fist pumping back there. I was down in southern Alabama a few years ago. And um, my, my, my sister and is married to uh, an assistant pastor down in, like, I'm talking about, like, Dixie, like, way down south. And uh, so uh, she, she's married there. It's, they go to, I guess it would be, unfortunately down there, the churches are, are fairly segregated, right? You'd have, a, you know, a black church or a white church or Hispanic. So my, 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 um, my sister and her family is, I would say, a mostly black church. And so uh, my sister's father-in-law invited me while I was living in Florida to come up to Alabama for a, uh, a pastor's conference. I didn't know what to expect. So, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. I had really never been to it like an all-black church before, but he invited me for a pastor's conference, which I uh, understood as code word for uh, preaching contest. Huh? And I really wasn't that thrilled about going, but I didn't really have an interest in, in preaching at the time. But then he said the key word. He said fellowship. We're going to have a fellowship afterwards. And I knew enough about the South that fellowship was a code word for food. So <clears throat> so there I was at the conference. And uh, about the third preacher in, uh, that's right, they start like at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and everybody starts preaching up a storm. And by third, about third preacher in, I was worn out. You're worn out for, for several reasons. Number one, it, it's really hot. It's really hot. And uh, everybody... All the preachers, it's also like a volume contest. You know, who can preach the loudest? So, I mean, they're really going. And uh, I had one preacher there. I, I'm talking about, this was B.J. Raji. He was going at it, and he was yelling, he was yelling. <laughs> and he goes, some people you could see were just like, oh, my goodness, how loud can this guy get? And he stopped, and he said, you know, uh, God gave ten commandments. He didn't give 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. He gave 10 commandments. And the 11th commandment is not, do not shout. And then he kept right on going. <laughs> anyway, so I was a little bit worn out and, you know, I'm kind of tuning out some of the things, you know, and then, you know, I'm smelling some ham or something coming from the fellowship hall and I'm really getting kind of distracted. But then this this preacher gets up, and I'll, I'll never I'll never forget it. And I don't remember a lot of things about that night. But he was talking about praise, giving praise to God, and I'll I'll never forget it. He he walked down off the pulpit, and he and he seemed to uh, look right at me, right. And, and he he said this. He said, "Don't get comfortable just praising God when He gives you something you need." We need to learn to praise him because of who he is. Because when you praise him for who he is, you don't have to wait until the trouble comes to learn how to give him praise. All your brothers out there need to learn to praise God, not just for what he has done, but for who he is. You see, our doxology as Christians is not contingent upon what he does. It's contingent upon who God is. Therefore, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we always have a reason to praise him. The last question I had in, in uh, studying this, this chapter was, how do we praise him? How 
Do we praise him? You know, there's a lot of different ways to praise. I think doxology, from my study here, specifically refers to saying praise, right? Or, or singing praise, praise that comes from your mouth. However, we also know from the book of Romans that you can praise God through, through your life, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship of service. We can praise him through our lives. But, you know, I don't think what, what it doesn't matter so much how you praise him. It, it's, it's just do it. Right? It's just do it. The important thing isn't how. Remember, in the definition of doxology, it's a spontaneous outburst, like a volcano, like a geyser. It's a spontaneous outburst in response to his goodness and the glory of God on our behalf. You know, it's not always calculated or refined or rehearsed. It's not important how. It's important that you do it. I think as Christians, where our concern should be is lives, if we're living lives empty of praise. Empty of praise. So, a few weeks ago, my life changed forever, as you know. My wife gave birth to our little baby girl, Madeline. And boy, that was an experience. Um, you know, we decided to not go with the, the birthing classes. You know, we decided to just uh, just go for it, you know. So I said, you know, honey, we don't have to do those birthing classes, you know. Um, so I did the next best thing. I went on YouTube. Shouldn't have done that. But I, I had known enough about childbirthing to know that uh, as soon as Madeline made her appearance, she was supposed to cry. I knew that babies were supposed to cry, and I was going to listen for that cry. And so, you know, as we were pushing, now I say we. Some of you are looking at me like we were pushing. <clears throat> you know what I say? Every team needs a coach. So we were pushing, and uh, and uh, I was waiting for her to make her appearance and cry. Because I knew if she didn't cry, it was a sign that she wasn't breathing, Right? So I think that's how praise for the Christian is. If you aren't praising, there's something wrong. Maybe you come in here on Sunday and you're going through the motions. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to raise your hands and, and that's not your thing. I'm, I'm not saying that. But maybe you're just going through the motions and you're singing and you're professing how great he is. But maybe it feels empty. Maybe you're obsessed with you know, trying to get your life better by coming in here in some way that you, you just forget to praise God for the life that you already have. You know, I heard an old preacher say one time, he said, uh, quit trying to fix every little wrinkle in your life. This is life. It has wrinkles. Just get over it. Look beyond it and be a Christian whose pulse, whose whole being elicits doxology. Maybe the reason why it feels empty and like we feel like we, we, we can't praise and we can't quite get ourselves there is maybe it's because we fully don't know the one who we're praising. Maybe we need to get alone with God. Maybe this book of Romans, we need to go through chapters 1 through 16. And then at the end, if we don't have a reason to praise him with Paul, 
Excuse me, we will have a reason. We will have a reason. For those of you that are struggling with, with praising God day in and day out, getting his word, you'll be given a doxology every ten verses. Getting his word. There's maybe some of you here that have never, never, never been able to truly praise God. I think maybe a reason for that is you've never fully embraced the truths that Paul embraced here in the book of Romans. Oh, what do you mean? Maybe you've never in, in, in embraced the truth of, of Romans 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Maybe you've never fully embraced the truth of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe you've never fully embrace the truth of that God commanded his love to us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. Maybe, maybe you never embrace the truth of Romans 10. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, you can't praise him unless you know him. Unless you acknowledge who he is, what he can do for you, and what he has done for you. And so my challenge for you today, Cross Point Church, for the Christian, if you come in here and if you find yourself living a life devoid of praise, there's a solution for that, right? Get in his word. Get in his word. There's so much there to thank him for and praise him for. And then there may be friends here that don't know Christ, right? They don't have a reason to praise. They don't know the one who they're giving praise to. And if you've never acknowledged the truth found in Romans, to Romans, if you've never acknowledged that, today is the day. If we do that, I'm convinced, and the Bible confirms that, We'll praise him like never before. We'll praise him like never before. So as, as the worship team, if, if you guys can come back up here as I close. <clears throat> this has been a great series on Romans, hasn't it? And uh, I'm, uh, I'm thankful that they entrusted me to, to kind of close out this sermon with the, the doxology, close out this series. But all throughout Romans, there's so much truth here. And I want to give you all a chance to acknowledge before God the truth that is found in this book. And for those of you that have never acknowledged it, today is a great day. Today is a day to do that. I'm going to pray here. And if you just pray along with me, no matter where you are, if you're, you're far from God you're, or you've known God for a long time, the truth in the book of Romans is truth no matter who you are. Father in heaven, we thank you for this truth found in the book of Romans. And because of this truth found in the book, not, not just Romans, but the whole Old Testament through the New Testament, it all is a great 
it's a drumming up of, of praise. And, and Father, as we live our lives and as we go through uh, each day and your truth permeates us, we have a, a right reaction to that is to just hold up our hands and say, Father, we praise you. We give you doxology, all the glory, all the honor. Everything belongs to you. For, for those of you that don't know God on a personal level, Father, I pray that uh, nobody will wait another, another day without acknowledging the truth that we are sinners lost without any hope, but you made a way through your death burial, resurrection. You've made a way. And so we acknowledge that today. In your name we pray. Amen. The benediction today is Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty Expanse. Praise Him in His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with string instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen.